0: Okay, we've now seen how taxes used to be very low in this nation. We've seen, certainly enough anyway, how that has changed over time. In an earlier section, we talked about the ratchet effect uh, in the size and power of government. It's uh, people seed gradual increments here and there. of government power, of taxation, until one day the chains of government are wrapped so tightly around us we can't breathe. Uh, This is nowhere more true and more evident in American history than in the issue of taxation, and the long list I read just a while ago in the second part of this talk should stand as a testimony to that. The question is, can we loosen the screws? Uh, Better yet, uh, since we're talking about chains, who's got the bolt cutters? Well, let's discuss what needs to be done in the big picture, and then we'll discuss the small practical things we can do to, to help advance the cause of liberty against uh, taxation. So what needs to be done? Well, let me explain the real problem first, at least a big part of it. And if you can grasp this uh, part of the problem, you can get very close to the heart of the loss of freedom in America in general. Taxation is merely the wicked stepsister of spending. They are quite a tandem, let me tell you. Uh, Politicians love to promise low taxes, but they rarely talk seriously about cutting spending, and of course we're reaching crisis mode in Washington, D.C. on this topic as we speak. But without cutting spending, there has to be either further taxation or increased debt, which means future taxation anyway. There's no other way to get around this. So what needs to be done is a drastic cut in unnecessary public spending, which means most of it. And simultaneously, as we cut that budget down at the same time, cut down the level of taxation to match it and then leave it alone. So while most national attention is focused on the national debt uh, and national deficits and debt ceilings and the specter of spending cuts and all those things for good reasons, as these things are all important issues. Uh, That's merely the national problem. I want to talk about local spending and waste and local waste, things that get much less emphasis even by those people who follow politics closely. Billions of dollars are wasted unnecessarily all over the nation in local governments, in state governments, and most of this could be cut out and taxes lowered across the board without hurting anyone except special interests. Local spending must be attacked, it must be subdued. And if we can't organize to stop the waste locally in our counties and in our towns, if we can't impose some fiscal discipline and even sacrifice locally, you can absolutely forget it happening at the state level and you can definitely forget it happening at the national levels where the booty is so much greater by a factor of a thousand, and the entrenched forces trying to get at that loot uh, is even greater as well. Uh, Indeed, local graft often provides the training ground for those people who rise to positions of state and federal power later, and so we've got to grain in things locally or there's no hope for this nation at all. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. I just checked my local county commission's minutes from the last biweekly meeting. It's a random check. It's online for free. Anyone can go do this. And I just checked it at random. There was nothing special about this meeting. Uh, it was rather low key. There were no great announcements coming. I just picked one and looked at it. And yet, in that one random meeting, the commission essentially rubber stamped $219,000 in new contracts and $59,000 in extensions for, for two existing contracts. Now, in terms of county budgets, a few hundred thousand dollars is not really that much. It's uh, in terms of the big picture. But consider, number one, the board meets about 25 times a year, or maybe more. Number two, uh, these are arguably, and and if I show them to you, you'd probably agree, these are arguably not necessarily SARI public expenses. Uh, That there are also other projects going on. Uh, arguably also unnecessary, which have a price tag, in some cases, of tens of millions. And number four, we're still living with the effects of a great recession and we're on the precipice of a new one. And number five, that the money has to come from taxation in some way, in some form. And number six, that much of the tax money goes to contractors who are from outside of our county, so the money doesn't even stay here. And number seven, that the decisions to blow away these millions of dollars on behalf of thousands of people are generally made by just a few people with little, to little, if any, transparency whatsoever, uh, it, mainly because we don't care. Okay? But there is, I could argue, inadequate representation in that regard. In other words, while average people are feeling this great financial squeeze, many people have lost their jobs, people have lost their homes by the thousands. Local government officials are spending almost whimsically, without a second thought, without blinking, with little to no input from the public in regard to the budget. And that's just one example. This goes on in every county, in every municipality, throughout the nation. And there are over 3,000 counties, not to count all the cities and municipalities. In many cases, money's borrowed upon the collateral of promises of future taxation to pay for these things. In other words, a government wants to spend more money than it currently has, and so it goes to the bank and says loan us money. And the bank looks at the government's budget and it sees its income already maxed out, its income stream of tax revenue already maxed out, and that it has no surplus cash on hand, and it replies as any sane bank should, which is not to say that all banks are sane but it replies, how are you gonna pay us back the loan? And of course, this is hypothetical, again, because the bank knows exactly how the government's gonna pay back the loan. And the government replies, we'll raise a new tax. And the bank looks at the legal situation. It sees the government has the authority to tax. It uh, has the force to collect the tax, which is to say it has the guns, uh, uh, to collect the taxes. Uh, so it looks like a pretty safe investment for the bank. And the bank, of course, stands to draw interest in the bond that it sells, or that it, that it buys, uh, by the way. And so the bank is going to collect part of those, that tax money either, and the bank is probably somewhere else besides your county also. And I'll talk about that relationship more when we cover the topic of banking. So in other words, the government borrows money it doesn't have with Uh, It borrows it against the promise of future taxation, and uh, again, just to put it one more way, on the decision of just a few people, an entire municipality or county is indebted by millions of dollars on a politician's promise that the bank, uh, a promise to the bank, that the government will extract more money from the people in the future to pay the loan with interests. So in other words, and I, I realize I'm impeding myself here, I'm doing it for a purpose, The commissioners are saying, these people here will pick up my tab. And that's implicitly saying that the people work for the government and the banks and not the government for the people. That people are essentially slaves of their government and their bond-issuing authorities. The only thing standing in the way of a maneuver like this on the part of your local government, in some cases anyway, is a vote from the people. Normally people are opposed to increased debts and higher taxes, and so such a deal would never fly. But the government and the interested parties, which are often school boards, teachers unions, uh, sometimes labor unions, they've got plenty of tricks up their sleeves to get their funds. And here's how it works. First thing they do is try secrecy and quietness to keep voter turnout very low. They only publish the proposal to the minimum extent required by the law, which sometimes means publishing it in the minutes in an obscure place online. And then they hold the vote in a special election, with most average people busy uh, with their lives, disinterested, complacent. Very, people even, very few people even hear about the vote, about the, the issue. Fewer people uh, even understand the issue when they do hear about it and even fewer of them care enough to break their daily routines and go to a special election. And voter turnout can lead to terribly deceptive conclusions, especially when you see these things in the press. To illustrate, in my little county, semi-rural county, on the verge of becoming a suburban county, uh, the school board over the past several years has decided to indebt the public to the tune of a collective $146 million dollars uh, which was paid to be paid over the past decade or so. And by the way, $146 million is tyrannical sounding. It's mild compared to many other places. Tax revenues have not covered what was projected by the school board. Big surprise. So a vote was required to extend the tax, which is called a SPLOS tax, a special local option sales tax, increase for a few more years. And this would cover, they say, Uh, $55 million in outstanding debts. So I watched this. I was very concerned about it at the time the vote came in. It was 55% for and 45% against the the extension. Now that sounds like a pretty standard uh, vote turnout until you look at the numbers involved. Out of about 71,000 people in my little county that were registered to vote, only 33,000 showed up which is well less than half of the voters. Okay, And this number is higher than normal because it wasn't a special election. It was actually this bond issue was tacked on to the ballot for the 2010 national midterm election. So there's actually a fairly good voter turnout. And so it was a general ballot that drew in far more people than a a special election would have. Out of those 33,000, only 31,000, actually voted on the bond tax issue. Of those 31,000, actually 31,500, only about 17,500 voted for it. And that makes up the 55% who voted with 14,000 against. In other words, if you look at the numbers accurately, it wasn't 55% of the people. It was rather 55% of those few people who decided to vote on that issue. So in the end, if you really look at the numbers, 17,500 pro-tax votes represent only about 25 percent of the registered voter base in this county. And the margin of victory in those few percentages that made up the difference was about 3,500 votes. That was 5 percent of registered voters. So in other words, 5 percent of the voter base determined the imposition of a special tax on everybody else. That's what swung the election. That's what swung the vote. Okay. Those are absolutely pitiful numbers, and yet they're nowhere near as pitiful as what happens when there's no national or state personalities tacked on the ballot. Okay. This particular school bond uh, tax vote was the fourth of its kind in 14 years. There was one in 97, another one 2001, 2006, and then now 2010. It was the previous three that actually acquired all of the bond debt that has to be paid off. And it's, in other words, those three or previous votes were the ones responsible for actually indebting people. The last one was just to extend the tax to pay it off. Uh, so they, the first three were at the heart of this original round, of this, uh, I should say, latest round. While the previous three were all conducted via special elections, and as a result, not a single one of them saw voter turnout Higher than a total of four thousand people. Okay, there was in fact one of them was as low as, as less than fourteen hundred. There were thirteen hundred eighty-five people turned out for it. So in other words, only a couple of thousand people in favor of more debt and higher taxes, and in truth, only the very few hundred that provided the margin of victory in those votes. Only that little tiny group of people was required to indebt and tax the entire local population. And that means, again, only a tiny percentage determined this issue for everyone else. And now, of course, there's no escape from it. If that's not tyranny, (laughs) if it's not tyranny, if it's not ridiculous, I don't know anything that is. Now, I've labored through all these facts and points just to make the point that Lower voter turnout favors higher taxes and greater government debt. And that's exacerbated because when the voter turnout is so low that only a few hundred votes can swing the outcome either way. then it is mostly those people who stand to benefit from a raise in taxes, a raise in debts, which happens to be the teachers and the administrators and the government officials and the contractors who get the money and people in those classes. It's those people who will be in the know ahead of time who would like to keep competition, that is other voters and taxpayers, from opposing them in the vote. And so the very people who call for the issuance of the bond and who also control the public relations in regard to it, by the way, are the very ones who wish to keep voter turnout to a minimum so that their little in-group majority can swing the vote. Okay? That's one trick. It's only the first trick. Another more commonly known trick is is also more commonly fallen for, and I wish I could educate if I could change everybody on this one topic, I would love to do it. It's the emotional appeal. If public relations become an issue, and it always is, then you can pick your emotional appeal. If it's a tax for education, we don't call it a tax. We talk about for the children, for the kids, for a better tomorrow for our children than the one we had. And if you oppose the the tax, then you despise children, you want us all to be uneducated, knuckle-dragging hillbillies with no hope for tomorrow. And since most people can't imagine a world in which the government is uh, not by far the single central element, uh, the single central benefactor in education, people actually fall for this nonsense, okay? Uh, If it's a tax for police or for firefighters, then you can be sure you'll hear all kinds of appeal about safety and, you know, mother and America and apple pie and how brave and selfless every single policeman is, always there to protect and to serve, and if you oppose more of this, then obviously you're a promoter of higher crime, of kids being hooked on drugs, of women being raped in the streets, of houses being left to burn to the ground with children inside and kittens inside, and illegal immigrants fleeing the scenes of accidents, car accidents, leaving little old ladies paralyzed for life. Okay? This is not to say that there are not great policemen and firefighters out there. Of course there are. But the romance novels that are written by the propagandists to pass more taxes and increase debts are absolutely endless and people fall in love with them. And it's also fallacious. Now, of course, it's funny, all those people who want bonds issued to pay for their children's education for a better tomorrow, uh, they totally ignore the fact that their children will be the ones paying off those debts along with the fat pension plans of the public officials and the teachers who called for them to begin with at some point in the future. So some better tomorrow for the children, stuck with a huge debt. Uh, then there is the theft of hope trick that says, we're going to have to pay for this problem somehow anyway, so you might as well vote for it now. And, of course, that's a false choice. In my local example, the deal was this. if, if um, And this was on the school bond issue, if the increased sales taxes didn't pass, the, then the county was going to go use the back door and use its authority to increase the school bond portion of property taxes anyway. And so that was thrown out there to, to the public. And since most people think a 1 percent sales tax is less ominous than 3.6 percent higher property taxes, they'll absolutely jump on the deal. And what remains unspoken is if there wouldn't, wouldn't have been any tax increase needed at all if the money hadn't been borrowed and spent and wasted to begin with when it wasn't even necessary to begin with. Okay, another trick deals with PR and public ignorance. Uh, Perhaps the voters will turn out. And so the big spenders and the people who stand to benefit from a vote like that have to make their expenditure look like a good thing on the ballot. Again, it's more of this this, uh, public relations involved. So the very way in which the bond issue is represented on the ballot becomes of great interest to them. When the voter reads the issue, probably the first time they've ever seen it by the way, he or she must make this, uh, must be made to believe that they're going to be voting for a good thing if they check yes. And so presenting the issue as the promotion of education in general for example, uh, the vote stands a much greater chance of getting passed that way. Uh, especially when it's just an apparently small tax, than if the emphasis were placed on the fact that we're borrowing millions of dollars, we're indebting ourselves, we're indebting our children's future, uh, and it's only going to help a few people, and there's all kinds of graft and waste involved. Indeed, the the amount of, of debt may not necessarily even be legally required to appear on the ballot. Okay, Nothing is mentioned of even the alternative increase in property taxes or anything else to do with the vote. And so most voters who see that for the first time are essentially uninformed. They are functionally misinformed because of what's left out while they're standing there at the ballot box. Now we'll be talking a whole lot more about uh, local bond issues and local taxation in the future in this project and giving you specific tips on how to avoid the, the tricks that are used and, and you know, identify who the spenders and the people who stand to benefit from this are. Uh, We'll talk about the tactics and all the stuff that we can use to confront those people and expose them and hopefully to stop them. But for today, I just wanted to introduce the basics of what's going on in every county in the nation. What needs to be done is an immediate spending freeze and drastic cuts in unnecessary local budgets in every local government in this nation. And the same is true, of course, for state and federal government as well. But, as we said, you know, we're dealing with a much bigger monster in that case. I think we have to start local. So this also means that all local public borrowing, all bond issues, should stop immediately as well for the most insidious form of spending is exactly what we've just described. Now what can average individuals do? to advance our cause and liberty in this case? Well, the first is what I've already said in regard to county rights and state's rights, and it's a part of it, and that is set up a website to monitor your local government. As part of such a website, there needs to be a clear section regarding all public finance. Uh, Use requests for public information with your local government officials until they cough up all the information uh, to get all documents, all facts, all financial figures that you can get. Okay, personally keep up with the commission meetings and other public officials' meetings. If you can't, just follow them online. If you want to be there when it's happening, go to the meetings. They're they're open to the public. Most of them today are published and posted online. Learn them, post any agenda item that will cost public money, or imply increased taxes or debts. Now, make all of this information as simple and clear to the public as possible. Extract it out of the documents. Don't just post the documents for them to see, but write a review article, uh, uh, an article that condenses the information you get, uh, all the detailed reports, everything. Just publish the clear and pertinent info for everyone to see. Make it transparent. Second, all public bonds on all occasions must be considered anathema, period. No more public debt. No more taxation on the backs of our futures and of our children. Okay, it would be good to oppose these things systematically at the polls. If you don't go vote for anything else, go to vote against bond issues. And inform your local representatives to do that as well. If people think some things are so important to fund, then let them go organize a 501c3 and raise the money to do it privately. If it's important and beneficial to society, someone will donate for it. If it's worth doing, the money will not be hard to come by. Forcing everyone to pay for services that only some use, especially paying for it into the future generations, is absolute tyranny, and we've got to view it as that. Third, if you profit from public contracts, especially based on bond issuances, then you should stop especially if you're a Christian. If you've greatly enriched your business and yourself on such things, then you should consider yourself in the position of Zacchaeus, and you should say, if I have defrauded anyone, I'll pay it all back fourfold. And you should pay restitution. Except, since it would be difficult to go back and pay every taxpayer their fair share, I would simply recommend giving an equitable amount of money to a reputable public charity. Fourth, start a local group. If one does not already exist, many of them do, find one if they do, uh, that is dedicated to spreading this type of information locally and increase voter turnout. Give flyers and cards and, and things of that nature and information to local businesses, to your Chamber of Commerce, to radio stations, and et cetera. In fact, if you have a 501 C three, you can get uh, uh, public address announcements on the radio. If you have a small uh, nonprofit foundation, that's very easy to do. Uh, The public service announcements and radios, our radio shows are happy to do it. Okay, this helps spread awareness, helps spread education. Hopefully, it would increase voter turnout of educated voters. Um, You can even use all of these outlets to inform the public of all the details that they would not get from the bond issuing authorities themselves who are self interested or the ballot itself, or practically anywhere else. And you can also promote the website that way, by the way. So if you have some wealth uh, and are looking for a way to serve the public in these regards, setting up a foundation like this would be a great idea. Of course, you can also donate to American Vision and our County Rights Project. We would greatly appreciate your help in furthering our our, uh, efforts in this cause. Fifth, there are other avenues we can pursue uh, investigate into your local public salaries and pension plans. These might be very well uh, might very well be extremely high, and it, they are in many places. They may be luxurious by average standards. Check it out. Uh, if you find your public officials are overpaid and overpensioned that it's objectionable, uh, let the presses roll people get the information out, post it clearly online. And for the really adventurous person, you could rent a public billboard, a portable sign somewhere, and of course you need to check the legal places to post, things like that. Um, uh, Expose these things that are largely, clearly waste and graft on the part of your public officials. There are many ways to expose these things to the public. Um, Use your money, use your wealth, use your brain, be creative. There's no doubt that the single most important measure for lowering taxes is to cut spending and oppose public debt, oppose public bonds. The appeal to to cut taxes has to come simultaneously with that, but it will do no good to leave revenues the same while cutting spending uh, for a time because if you don't do it at the same time and revenues are still high, it'll be no time at all before the government finds other ways to spend that revenue. So what we need is a simultaneous uh, uh, cut in spending and in taxation together. Now, a loftier goal would be total bond and tax referendum reform. Uh, It's absolutely ludicrous that a bare majority of even a tiny voter turnout is sufficient to indebt an entire population. That's ludicrous. Okay, there should be very high requirements in order for such a thing to pass. You should have at least a two-thirds majority of registered voters, not of the vote, but of all registered voters, to pass something like this. And even that's not biblical, especially for bond issues, and it's dubious even for taxation. But it would at least make the default answer in the case of voter complacency, or in the case of voter ignorance, or in the case of, of a good propagandist, or even deception, or even all those things together, which is more likely, the default vote would be no, rather than to favor government spending. It would at least greatly hinder the government uh, from spending and from taxing more. And it would require, for anyone who wished to change it, it would require tremendous energy, tremendous organization, tremendous personal expenditure uh, for anyone, as I said, wishing to advance more debts or more taxes. And even then, those who who don't use the system, uh, even if a 66% majority should pass something, those who don't use the system should have an option out in a free society. Now, this can, of course, only come through political change. Of course, I say the political change will only come through spiritual change, but these changes we're talking about are political changes. It has to include a movement to abolish all unbiblical forms of taxation and to minimize what taxation may remain uh, beyond that. Now, of course, before even such a movement as that to begin, we need to see a rise in private alternatives, particularly in that main artery of local public expenditure, which as I just covered in point one of this project, public education. That's why this project starts off with public education and a call for tax exemptions for those who don't use that system. Then it moves on to privatizing social insurances, you know, old age insurance, health insurance, things of that nature. There is no reason society could not also privatize its police and fire and even tea services, or at least privatize and contractualize the way that they're funded. These few things would negate an enormous chunk of public expenditure. Taxes would be slashed uh, by biblical proportions. And in the meantime, there would be uh, no viable, sustainable political pressure toward cutting and spending taxes if we don't first pull our kids out of public schools and see public institutions of that nature as the evil that they are. If we don't establish our kids in our own homes, if we don't establish our own future funds and insurances, take care of our own families and parents in these regards. Okay. Those are the things that we can do as average individuals that we have to do in order to establish the moral high ground for a call for future political changes. And in the meantime, toward those changes, we have to work, we have to learn, we have to expose the corruption, we have to expose the graft and the excess and everything at the local level, and if we can, even at the state level. There's nothing stopping us from doing that, and it can have significant effects on slashing spending and taxes in the future. Uh, We have to create both public will and public self-discipline. While we prepare for these things, we need to focus our efforts and our children's attentions on the details of local businesses, local politics, local issues, local culture, local finance, local public finance, more than national issues. If we can break the bonds, we can break the taxes. If we start local, stay local, don't take the cheese, resist external influences, we can begin to change America and restore America one county at a time.